go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, we'll get started with this. Um, you know, we've been going through, we've been going through back to the basics, and we've kind of taken a rabbit trail off of the detour, I guess, I guess you'd call it that. Um, and uh, we've been dealing with some stuff uh, specifically with the book of Acts. Remember, one of the things we'd mentioned before is we never, ever, ever get doctrine from the book of Acts. Um, the majority of the problems that we have, not just in churches by themselves, but like even folks that call them dispensationalists, uh, call themselves dispensationalists, a lot of times they, where, they, where they mess up is in the book of Acts. Uh, and they try to go create a doctrine and kind of go from there. Um, so <clears throat> let's start off in Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and we'll read a couple verses here. Uh, and then we'll get started. Uh, remember, we've, we've started off with salvation. Uh, so we have to make sure that we get the, 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 the salvation gospel correct to begin with. Bruce, Bruce brought in a track from a church in Lexington that he came across a, a track from them, and uh, they almost had it. Uh, it was right up at the very end, which is the most important part, um, where it kind of where the where the wheels kind of fell off, and that's really unfortunate because um, they were that close. Um, but uh, <clears throat> you know that gospel is the most important thing that we need to get to begin with, right? Because Paul says it's God's will that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Salvation has to come first, but coming to the knowledge of the truth is also important. And I know of a lot of folks that say, um, in fact, I just read this yesterday. Somebody was talking about on Facebook. They were in a group and they were talking about something and said, you know, one of the reasons I left my mid-acts church to go back to a denominational church is because they don't consider all these quote-unquote, secondary doctrines as important. <laughs> well, the problem is, is who, you know, there's, there's a saying, I've heard it for years, you know, eat the meat, spit out the bones. The problem is, is somebody, somebody somewhere is deciding what's meat and what's bones. You know, so that's, that's, that's the problem they have there because the meat and the bones are different <laughs> depending on who you talk to. Uh, and that's that idea of, you know, well, secondary things don't matter. But they do, because that's life, right? And that's one of the things that we're dealing with in the second session. We won't talk about that yet, but um, we have to get the gospel right to begin with. And then we have to get it right of how to study the Bible. And that's really what that coming to the knowledge of the truth has to deal with. And what, what, what we've got going on there, too, is also um, finding out who we are in Christ, the identity that we have of who God has made us in Christ. And of course, all that stuff's important. Uh, and then what we've gotten to now is really the dispensational aspect. So here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, uh, Paul in 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us to study the Bible and to do it rightly divided. So he's the only one in Scripture that tells us to study and then tells us how to. Um, so then he's the one that we should go and ask, well, how do we do this? Well, he tells us in a couple different ways. Um, the most basic of which we talked about last week was prophecy and mystery. 
That's the most basic way to divide your Bible. Um, but another one that he gives us here in Ephesians chapter 2, which is a little bit more in depth, um, he tells us in verse 11, Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles of the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh, for through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. You preserved it throughout the years and ages that we can have it in our language, uh, that we can trust every word that's here and allow your life to be put on display uh, each and every day of our lives, that we might be to the praise and honor and glory of your grace. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, as we go down through here, the, ba the main issue that we've talked about there is he talks about there's a time period, whoops, time past, right? And what was the difference between time past is you had a group of people called the circumcision and a group of people called the uncircumcision. That was the main difference back then. He says, but now... Both of those, that, that division between the two has been taken away, right? Not just the division between the two, but the law, right? <clears throat> and that's one of those things that we, we see as we go through here. Last week, we talked about the fact that there is something different. And what we did is we looked at Acts chapter 3 and then Romans chapter 16, and we found out one of the most basic ways to write the divide the Bible is between prophecy and mystery. And we know that prophecy will be fulfilled one day. Now, one of the things that that should automatically tell us is, is there any prophecy being revealed or transpiring today during the mystery? And it can't happen. The two things can't happen at the same time. Same thing as law and grace. Law and grace can't happen at the same time. So that's one of those things that we kind of take a look at and say, okay, if... For instance, uh, out over here, we're going to have the 70th week of Daniel, right? During that time, you're going to have Mark of the Beast. Mark of the Beast is something that's part of prophecy so that it can't happen here, right? So that's one of the things that we, we kind of take solace in and take, take the fact that what's going to happen over there can't happen here yet. The fact that we're still here means that that can't take place, all right? So one of the things that we talked about before is what we read here in the books of Romans through Philemon were never revealed prior to this time period from Acts chapter 9 until the death of Saul or Paul, right? Now, that's one of those issues that we wanted to look at last week, and we did, all right? Now, let's take a look at a couple other things. What do we notice here in verse 14? Or verse 13, he says, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So then what happens is those that were afar off 
are now made nigh by the blood of Christ. But notice in verse 14, for he is our peace who hath made both one. Well, what's the both? Circumcision, uncircumcision. He's made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Now, what's interesting about that is you go back to Genesis 17, that's when God erected that wall. Okay? That wall was up until it was torn down here. The problem with that is sometimes is notice in verse 16. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. Now, what he's saying is, the things that he's talking about here in Ephesians chapter 2, the way that it's possible is the cross. And what happens is, and I don't know if you've got that, you still have that Bible out, Bruce. Look at, two, look at Ephesians 2.16 just to kind of see what it says. Um, what he's saying here is, the thing that makes it possible for God to reconcile these two groups of people, and we talked about the four reconciliations a few weeks ago, right? The thing that makes it possible for God to bring these two people back together is by the cross. So what's it say? Does it say by the cross? Uh, let's see. It says uh, it might and might reconcile us by, both to God in one body through the cross. Through the cross? Okay. I didn't know if it would say add or not. I was kind of curious about it's that. It's still no good. Yeah. <laughs> still no That's, that is true. Did you turn that off? Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, was, I didn't know if it, was, if it said add or not. I was just kind of curious. But what happens is a lot of people will come by and they'll say, well, that word by, it should be at. Because Greek... Well, here's what's interesting. <laughs> a few years ago, I, I had a blog that I kept up a long time ago, and I've not done it in a long time just because I don't have time to. Um, but the title of it was all in Greek. And in the, in, in, in the blog, as I write down, as I get down to the bottom, I said something like, um, if you really know Greek, then you know what the title of this blog post is. Well, if you go and check it out, it's Greek for you don't know Greek. Now, what's interesting about that is, if you really do know Greek, then you're going to find out the whole point about that. But what happens is, the only time people know that is when they've studied it out. Now, one of the things that's really interesting about that, that's not to say that we shouldn't go and look at the Greek. The Greek does give us some information about it. But we've got a book in our language, yes. right? So then, if I, read, if I read here and it says that he's reconciled both unto God by the cross, what do I need to know about? In my language, in the preserved word of God that I have in my language, what does it say? By the cross. Now, what a lot of people will do is they'll go and they'll change that or they'll change other things, kind of like what that did. Now, what's behind that is there's, there's an issue that a lot of people don't get is there's two Greek manuscripts. That's the problem. Yeah. And whether you know Greek or not, or whether you go back to Greek, the problem is, is which one of those two do you go by? Because one, they'll say, well, this is the oldest, and they'll say that it's the best. And this one was kind of whatever. So if you do go by the Greek, now you've got a problem, is which of the two Greek manuscripts do I go by? That creates a big problem. Because what's that do? 
that creates an authority issue. Okay, but again, because I've I've looked at it before, but yeah. You said it right. Was taken care of at the cross. But the reconciliation is done by the cross when we believe. Because mm-hmm. it's 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 not saying that he might that he reconciles the son to God. It says that he might reconcile. Mm-hmm. So yeah. by the cross makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I mean and, and no that's what that's the only reason why I was kinda of curious what that said, because because that the ESV comes from that other Greek transcript. Well, and there, there's there's some other ones too, but like, but that's the that that's where that's coming from. So that's one of the reasons why I, was, I I didn't know what that one says. So I was just kind of curious about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you take a look at the context, and English will take care of it, right? Yeah. But here's my thing, um, and, and here's kind of my point because of that. Um, because you've got those two different manuscripts out there, and there's there's more. But the two main manuscripts that people always talk about, um, and I know this isn't on topic of what we're dealing with, but it kind of is. Um, those, those two things are the issue. Um, so if I go look at this Greek, what's it going to tell me? What's going to tell me the word dispensation is not supposed to be in the Bible? Really? Or this one will say that the last, what, 10 verses or so of, of Mark 16 shouldn't be there. Um, but that's what that one says. So if I go back to the Greek and I'm going to this one, then what's it going to do to my English Bible is it's going to mess it up. And I'll have to say, well, your Bible shouldn't say that. It should say this. And what a, what a lot of people do is they'll do that and they'll say, well, it was at the cross. And what that allows them to do is to take and say, okay, well then, at Acts chapter 2, that's when the church began. And it's subtle when they do that. But what they're doing is they're saying it happened at the cross, which allows them to go back and say, well, that's why the church began at Acts chapter 2. So little things like just a two-letter word, you know. Um, as we're going through the stuff on Wednesdays, um, in, in Galatians, Paul talks about the seed, not seeds as many, but seed is one and one is, is Christ. And I was talking about the fact that he says seed singular, not seeds plural, one letter changes something. Right? Just one letter. You know, you go back to, 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 to Genesis 1 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Well, when you get to Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, now all of a sudden you've got heavens plural. Well, new Bibles, what they do is in, in Genesis 1 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, if you do that, you miss a big thing with the chapter 1 of, of, of Genesis. But one letter can completely change stuff. Mm-hmm. And so then what happens is, is when somebody comes along and says, well, that's not supposed to be by, it's supposed to be at, what they do is now I'm allowed to say this. Delilah and I, and she didn't like this, but we watched a little bit of it. Uh, we were watching a video of a, of a pastor um, a few nights ago, and we were watching it, and he was he was teaching against dispensationalism. And what was interesting is, I said, okay, he's going to go to this verse and say this, and then the next verse will be this, and he'll say this. And he did exactly these things, like four or five in a row. And I was like, this is what he's going to do with the verse. And she's like, he's did it. He, he did every one of them you said. I was like, I know, because that's what, that's what they do. And they don't, what, what's interesting is, 
they think, a lot of folks that, that teach against this, uh, what we do here, um, they misunderstand what we teach. And they hear, they hear what they want to hear, what we teach. Um, but I mean, when it comes down to like what we're dealing with here, prophecy, mystery, circumcision, uncircumcision, things are very clear when you allow them to be. And it was interesting. This is one of the verses that he brought up. He's like, it shouldn't say by the cross, it should say at the cross. And what's interesting about that is, this is a guy who is a big King James proponent. And he also did the same thing um, over in Acts, which is, which is really interesting as well. But that's, that's neither here nor there. When we've talked about this, as we've gone through here, one of the things that we want to look at is what takes place here in verse 14. He says, For he is our peace with made both one. Who's the both? Jew, Gentile, circumcision, uncircumcision. Um, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the commandment, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to making himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Now, the whole purpose of him saying there is no difference between those two people now, because what's Paul tell us um, about Acts chapter twenty, verse? Two, Paul writes the book of Romans, right? Romans chapter 3, what's he tell us? There is no difference. I before proved both Jew and Gentile that they're all under sin. A little bit later on, he tells us that he does that. Why? That he might have mercy on all. So then, when we're going down through here, one of the things that he does... They had, a, they had a purpose back there with the circumcision. They were to be the channel of blessing for those folks down there. Did they do that? No. Will they do that? Out there they will. They will accomplish that. Um, but what God's doing is saying, okay, what I'm going to do is by the cross, I'm going to do something that you all can't do. And that's the purpose behind this. So what we see here is, um, real quick, go over to, we could go on down through here, but notice, go over to Romans chapter 3, and this is what we were talking about a second ago. Um, but kind of keep this in mind as we go down through here. Romans chapter 3, verse 1. Notice this, this is really interesting. Romans chapter 3, verse 1. What advantage then hath the Jew? It's a really good question because in Act, in Romans chapter two he's talking about the the Jewish folks and how how they were how they were and how they acted and things like that, and then the question obviously would be well then what advantage was it to being a Jew? He says what advantage then hath the Jew or what profit is there of circumcision? It's a really good question. Notice his answer. Much every way. Can you think of a way that it wasn't profitable for them, especially? That, I mean, you, you, you read in Ephesians chapter 2, they had the covenants of promise. They weren't strangers, right? They had all these things. They, they, they had hope. They had God. They had Christ. What advantage? Everything in every way. Notice, chiefly, here, and to me this is what's interesting. All those things aside, all the, all the, 
all the advantage that they had, all that stuff aside, notice what he says, chiefly. And when we think of that, you know, over in 1 Timothy where he says, um, where he was saved, you know, he, Christ came to save sinners of whom I am chief. And a lot of people say, well, he was the worst of sinners. Well, it's not what it is. And one of the ways you can look at that is notice here, chiefly, Here's here's the here's the reason they had this because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. What happened is they were entrusted to or the word of God was entrusted to them. That's the main thing that he says is why they have an advantage because they had the word we didn't. That's the chief that's the chief reason that there was an advantage that they had, right? So then, when we go on down, notice in verse 3, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? And the answer is, God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. Here's the issue. When we look at this, the way that man looks at this is, you can't trust God. Well, what's God say? You can trust me. All right. Notice what's interesting there. Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Now, you know, we, we've spent, we spent a whole series earlier last year. In fact, I think it's almost a year ago. We were talking about the faith of Christ and how important His faith was. Not just His faithfulness to be trusted, but also the faith that He put on display in every single aspect of His life where He trusted wholly in what the Father said and what the Father did. But notice, here we've got what? It's the faith of God. Shall their unbelief make the faith of God of none effect, without effect? God forbid. Yea, let, it, let God be true, but every man a liar. All right? Notice, as you go down through here, there's some interesting things. That thou, as it is written, that, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? God's unrighteousness, or is God unrighteous who taketh the vengeance. Now what they're talking about is... The, judge, or the great white throne. Because what people are going to do one day is say, you, and we see it here today, right? Anytime you talk to people, what's one of the things they say? Well, how can a loving, righteous God allow X, Y, and Z to happen? What's interesting is, the thing about that is, and we'll talk about this sometime. There's there's a couple there's a couple of series that I'm working on right now that I'm going through, and this is this is part of one of them. Responsibility. The evil that we have in the world is because of people, and we don't want the responsibility. It's it's Genesis chapter three. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. And if I can't blame somebody else, it's God's fault. Well, if God was really, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to say, notice, but if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, the fact that I was a horrible person, that makes you look better. That's their idea. Notice, is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. Notice, God forbid. 
For then how shall God judge the world? Notice, how is it that God's going to judge the world? For if the truth of God... What's that? That's the book you have in front of you. How is He going to judge the world? That book that we have in front of us. For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto His glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather as we be slanderously reported and some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? No and no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. My point here is, what do we find out? Back here, was there a difference between those two groups of people? The answer is yes. During this time period right here, is there a difference between the two groups of people? No. And that's interesting because when you go, over, when you go back over, notice... <clears throat> Verse 22. Drop down to verse 22. Um, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all, and upon all them that believe. Why? For there is no difference. What's interesting, we talked about it the last time, when, when Peter goes to uh, Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, what's he say? Well, I perceive that, there, that God sees no difference. He's no respecter of persons. That's different than what he knew back here, just three chapters earlier. So then we know that there's something different that's going on. And we know that now there is an equality. Um, it might not be the best of equalities, but there's an equality. You know, we've talked about it before, and we, we've mentioned this for the past year and a half or so, Everybody wants equality. The only place you're going to find equality is in the dispensation of the grace of God, the books of Romans through Philemon. And again, might not be a good equality, <laughs> but we're all sinners in need of a Savior. That's where everybody is. That's the point. Now, when we think about this, <clears throat> verse 19, we'll jump back up here to verse 19, because here's one of the main issues that we want to look at. Verse 19, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that, here's the purpose, every mouth, how many, how many mouths? Every one of them. Every mouth may be stopped and all, how many? All the world may become guilty before God. The, the thing that we have today is you have equality with everybody that everybody is a sinner. And everybody is what? Guilty. Does the Bible say stop your mouth or does it say to confess your sins? <laughs> stop your mouth. There it is. Now, it's interesting. That brings up a point. We'll get to that sometime. But you think about this. That's not a good place to be. But praise the Lord, because of verse 21, we have some new information that says, by the way, since God is not a respecter of person, he says he will give to everybody the opportunity. He's made it possible for everybody to have the opportunity to gain, to gain his righteousness. But it's only upon them that what? Believe. And that goes back to the gospel we talked about before. Um. Go get some other verses here real quick. Galatians chapter 3.
Now, there's there's a couple things in the next two verses that I want to talk about that are that are slightly different, um, but also I want us to think about some other things as well. Acts chapter 15. Paul goes. Paul and Barnabas goes up to Jerusalem, right? They go up to Jerusalem and they communicate unto them that that doctrine that was delivered to him, the gospel that was delivered to him by revelation of Jesus Christ. Not to find out, are we teaching the same gospel that you all are, but to say, you all have something, I know some more information. And it's not just a new revelation of the Old Testament scriptures, but it's a completely new revelation that was never kept, it was never talked about, that was kept secret since the world began. Okay? And in Galatians chapter 2, where we see that connection, he says... They added nothing to me, but contrarywise, which means what? I was able to add something to them. So in Acts chapter 15, what happens is Peter says, I'm going to go to the circumcision. And this is really interesting to keep in mind. Paul says, I'm going to go to the heathen. All right? Now, what's interesting about this is that circumcision are those folks who were back there uh, which we usually refer to as the little flock, all right? Now, this is really interesting because you think about these things and some stuff's going on there. But Paul says, I'm going to go to the heathen. Well, in Acts chapter 17, Paul goes into a synagogue. So then, what's that tell us about the people in the synagogue? The non-little flock Jewish people are what? Heathen. Heathen. He says, I'm going to restrict my ministry to the heathen. I'm going to go to these people. And the first place he goes to in Acts chapter 17 is a synagogue. Unsaved Jews. And he goes in there and preaches unto them the gospel. Now, some believed, some didn't like it. <laughs> uh, apostate Israel. Now, here's what I want you to understand. And, you know, a year ago, almost a year ago, last month sometime, there was this crazy doctrine going around about the fact that we won't have the judgment of Christ. That was for, anyway, I'm not going to get into that. <clears throat> there was this weird doctrine going around that was completely wrong. And where they messed up is this right here. Now, I want you to notice something real quick. Notice in Galatians, <coughs> Galatians chapter 3. <clears throat> Verse 24, and I, I've, I've read somebody this past week, they're like, oh, Galatians 3.24 is not for us. Okay. Um, and I was a quote-unquote mid-axe guy. Notice, verse 24, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we, that, we might, that we might be justified by faith. Notice that word was, not is, that, that verse was to you when you were unsaved. Now that you're saved, it was no longer for you. It was for you, but it's no longer for you now. Do we see that? Notice, verse 25, <clears throat> But after, after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Guess what? We're no longer under the law. When we were, when we were unsaved, <coughs> what we try to do is go live by the law. And God says, nobody's going to be justified by the law. In fact, we see this as we go through here. But notice verse 26. 
for, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, <clears throat> notice what he's talking about here. He's talking about members of the body of Christ. Notice, <clears throat> the law was our schoolmaster, no longer was. Notice in verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, all right? So in the body of Christ, is there a Jew or Greek? No. Is there still a Jew or Greek back here outside of the body of Christ? Yeah. Notice he's talking about those who are in Christ. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one where? In Christ Jesus. So if you're in Christ, is there a difference between Jew and Gentile? No. Chapter 5. Because <clears throat> a lot of times what people do is they'll, they'll, they'll misuse that verse and say, well, there is no difference now. That takes care of that. What he's talking about in Galatians 3 and Galatians 5 is slightly different. Notice here in Galatians chapter 5. Um, stand, uh, start off in verse 1. <clears throat> stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Do you know what he's saying there? The law was your schoolmaster, but it no longer is. Why? Because you have liberty. And what's he say to do with that liberty? Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. <clears throat> now, pause there for a second. Right next to that verse, Galatians 5.13, would you? If you've not already. Next to chapter 5, verse 1, right, chapter 5, verse 13. <coughs> because this is, this is one of those, those claims. Um, and we could talk about this in the next, in the next session as well. What is it that we have? Liberty. <coughs> now, what some folks will do, and I know, I know some folks here in town that, that have made this argument. If you tell people that they have liberty, they'll go live how they want to. Is that true? Yeah, they probably will. Should they? No. If people actually understand grace and understand liberty, liberty doesn't say you can go do whatever you want to. Living in a country where we have liberty doesn't say that you can go and start a riot downtown Frankfurt. That's not what liberty is. Liberty says you could go do that, but as an adult, you don't because you know it's wrong. Liberty isn't a license to do whatever you want. <clears throat> Verse 13 tells us that. Notice in verse 13. <coughs> For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Do you know what liberty will allow you to do? To serve people. Not to do what you want, but to do what other people need. That's what liberty is. So this idea of cheap grace or free grace or sleazy grace or whatever people want to call it, there's a book that I have back at home, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's called, um, <clears throat> I forget what the name of the book is, but the idea is he puts forth this idea of free grace and says people that teach free grace um, don't understand what grace is. And he's a, he's a Calvinist guy. Um, 
I can't remember the name of the book. But anyway, <coughs> his problem is, is he don't know Galatians 5.13. Liberty doesn't say, I get to go do what I want. Liberty says, I can serve other people and do what they need. You know, we talked about it when we were going through the book of Titus and we looked at that term servant. What is a servant? Who is a servant? And then we went back and we found out that our body is not our own. We can choose to make our body do things for other people to serve other people. That's the idea behind a servant. Is we give up our ability. <clears throat> what, what's, what's really interesting about this is, is think about this. Liberty allows you to serve other people. Liberty is what Paul used to serve Christ. So then, what's he telling us to do with our liberty? Don't go do whatever you want to. Don't use it as an occasion to the flesh that, well, I just get to go do, I get to go sin. And I can't out-sin God, so I'm just going to go sin as, as much as I want to. It's taking the focus off of yourself. It is. Not trying so hard not to sin. Mm -hmm. You're more focused on serving yeah. other people and loving other people than, I don't want to talk to you because you might make me sin. Or, yeah. You know. And here's the best part. <clears throat> Have you ever thought about this? If we're ser serving other people, do you know what we're not doing at that particular time? Sinning. Sinning. That's that put off, put on thing that we'll talk about a little bit later on in, in the next session as we get through there. But that's what he's saying. But by love, serve one another. All right? And then he says what happens is the law is fulfilled in that. Back to chapter 5, verse 2. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. That's the issue with the folks in Galatia. Somebody who's coming along and saying, if you're, not, if you're not circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. That's what was going on. You go back to Acts chapter 15 um, and read that. <clears throat> okay. Um, that he is a debtor, or verse 3, For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Now, let's take that, that little section right there. You can't take that you're fallen from grace and create a doctrine that says you can lose your salvation. That's not what he's talking about. What happens is, <clears throat> this is kind of a mess, but that's okay. One day, you come along and you hear the gospel of your salvation. Um, somebody brings that up to you, you believe it. And what happens is, you start reading that. <clears throat> and what happens is, you start learning and you start growing. All right? You might hit a little plateau for a little bit because you stop doing stuff. Um, but you still do some things. But what's going on is what he's saying is <clears throat> there's a point in time where if you stop doing that and you try to go down here and do the law, what the law is going to do is it's going to stunt that growth. And you're going to not try to live by grace anymore, but you're going to try to live by law. And what's he say is you were running. He said, you have run well. He told the Galatians this. You were doing pretty good. But then you try to go and do things in your flesh and by the law, and what happened? You've fallen from grace. You've stopped living the life that you could have lived by trying to do the law. 
by doing the X, Y, and Z or whatever it is. That doesn't mean they've lost their salvation. That just means they've hit this point where they've stopped living by grace. Guess what you can do? Put off, put back on, and start growing again. That's the issue. Question? So they started, instead of serving each other, they started like, condemning each other almost. Mm-hmm. You need to do this, this, yeah. this, this. Yeah. And that's why he's saying don't use your liberty in this way. Use your liberty to serve other people, right? Um, <clears throat> keep on going here. Now, that's, that's, that's an interesting thing because people read that verse and they're like, no, oh, you could lose your salvation. If you understand the context there, you can't. That's not what he's talking about there. He's just saying, you've stopped living the grace life. And you've started living the law, which has been condemned, and all the law does is creates death and then you're wondering why Why in the world is my life in a mess because I'm trying to do things the right way. Well, the problem is you're trying to do things. <laughs> Notice, verse 5, For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Notice this, For in Christ Jesus, or in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Here it is in verse 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should, uh, should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Do you know what he's saying? <clears throat> you all were doing well. You did run well. But somebody out here came along and said, you're not doing it right because you've got to go live by the law. And he's saying, it's not because... And you notice he says, <clears throat> verse, verse 8, This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. Who's, who is it that called him? Paul's the one that was doing it, right? Notice, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So what happens? This person gets a hold of something and says, Hey guys, we need to start doing this, and you need to do this, you need to do this. And then everybody else is like, Well, you need to do this, you need to do that. And somebody else is like, Well, you need to do this, you need to do that. Rather than serving one another, they were what? They were condemning one another because they were trying to match something that the people that God gave it to couldn't do. Now, when we look here, the issue that we're looking at today is there is equality and all that stuff. But notice he says, verse 6, for in Jesus Christ, he's talking about saved people here. Neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. How is it that, what's the opposite of, of law? Grace. How are they supposed to walk? By grace. Grace, grace equals spirit, law equals flesh. Yeah, and law equals death too. Yeah. Grace equals life, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and that's what he's dealing with. And if you go down, notice verse um, verse 15, we'll see this. Verse 15, But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, because of that, what's he say? Walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's what I was talking about a minute ago. If we're up here serving, 
what we're not doing is sinning. That's what he's dealing with there. Now, that's kind of a side note off of what we're dealing with here. My main issue there is what? They're in Christ Jesus, circumcision availeth nothing, neither uncircumcision. There is no, there is no difference between those here. Right? Because of what, what Christ has done. Um, real quick, we've got a little bit of time left. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. <clears throat> Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why is though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using after the commandments and the doctrines of men? Which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. One of the things that we have now is what? <clears throat> What's he tell us to do with the ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not. What were they supposed to do back here? They weren't supposed to taste and handle and touch and all that, right? So what we find out, and of course here he's talking about if ye be dead with Christ in verse 20, he's talking about folks there, right? Um, drop down to chapter 3, verse 11. Well, let's start off in verse, verse 10. Notice, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew. That's the national separation. Circumcision nor uncircumcision. That's the religious separation. Barbarian or Scythian, Scythian, however you want to say that, that's the economic division. Bond nor free, that's the social division. But Christ is all and in all. So what's he saying about all those things right there? There is no difference. Now, we were talking earlier about <clears throat> Stephen's dad. There is an economic difference between him and other people because he's in a place where he shouldn't be in this world. He's in a place that he shouldn't be because he doesn't have the economic ability to be where he needs to be. But I tell you what, right there, he would have no difference. Richest person in the world, poorest person in the world, both are the same right here. But we, of course, still live in a system where that's not true. But what do we find out there? In Christ, none of those things are, 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 are anything, really. Sadly, the system is still back here, right? In some form or fashion. And that's why we talk about in the dispensation of the grace of God, you have equality there, and here you have no differences. And so then if the world could get a hold of that uh, and quit trying to make these differences go away by things that they can do, well, God's already taken care of it out here, right? The fact that we live in, in the dispensation of the grace of God. One of the things that we take away from here is Israel is no longer God's special people. They don't have this 
position up here anymore. We're all down here. That he might be able to reconcile both in one in the body by the cross. All right, so here we have equality. Um, there is no difference between them. Israel doesn't have their, their position of, of or their special position anymore. We're all, we're all down here today. So then when somebody comes along and says stuff like, you know, well, you all are anti-Semitic because of that. We're not. We just look at everybody exactly the same. Because that's, that's the way that God looks at them. Yeah, that's God's word. It's not opinion. You know, one of the things that we, we, we talk about here is we know that there is no difference between anybody. And we just got through reading here, national, religious, economic, or social. There's no differences. Get in that. And then you can find out about that stuff. Um, there's some other things that we'll want to go through here as well. Uh, we've already talked about salvation, so I won't go through that part. Um, but we'll talk about <clears throat> the purpose of the body of Christ, and then really that has to do with how the dispensation of the grace of God is going to end with the catching away of the church, the body of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, and then the presentation of the Father is perfect and without spot and blemish and all that stuff. And we'll talk about that as we go through. And then... Uh, once we get that done, then we can start talking about those ages to come back there where God picks back up with prophecy. Yeah, I saw the judgment seat of Christ. Yeah. 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 Ye